Morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to God's House for Worship today. Maybe some of you have heard that old joke, what did the grape say when it was squished? Nothing, it just let out a little wine. We are the produce of God's work. And he's looking for our output today, too. And whether it's good or bad, and we see that thread through all of the readings today. Order of service is found in your worship folder and on screen. Let's begin with our opening hymn, 595. the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have done those, those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. Gracious Father in heaven, has been merciful to us. 
He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority alone, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In peace, then, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. God, in your bountiful goodness, keep us safe from every evil of body and soul. 
Make us ready with cheerful hearts to do whatever pleases you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. First lesson from Isaiah 5 serves as a basis for the sermon. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice but saw bloodshed, for righteousness but heard cries of distress. The word of the Lord. Continue with the anthem by second grade through fourth grade. second lesson from Philippians 3, Paul didn't take his Christianity for granted, he kept pressing on in it. We see, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. lesson is from Matthew chapter 21. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated for the end.
name of the one who owns the vineyard, brothers and sisters in him. If you go online and buy a song, or look to purchase one, and it has a little E in a box after that song title, that's just its way of saying there is explicit content in that song. Careful. But growing up, if you go to Target, if you go to Walmart, if you go to the old Shopco, and you went to the CD section and, and you picked up a CD out of the, the whole array of them they'd have, they didn't have the little E in the box. Instead, they had this big, big, bold sticker right on the CD that said, parental advisory, explicit content. And if you were to take that and hand it to your parents with that big sticker on it, it was that big red flag that would go up and your parents would say, well, what's in this? And uh, they were supposed to scrutinize it. Rightly so. Webster's Dictionary defines or gives two definitions for the word explicit. The first one is either a positive or a negative. It just means something fully revealed, something put clearly out there. There's no ambiguity whatsoever. You are fully aware of its intent and what it's trying to say, whether good or bad. But the second definition of explicit means something that clearly crosses the line. It's usually something in the sexual realm and I'll add to Webster's a little bit, it's, it's usually profane and, and vulgar language. Isaiah, in chapter 5 today, and you should know a little background on Isaiah, he is a formidable prophet of the Old Testament, very scholarly, uh, was able to come and go in, in, uh, in, in circles with uh, the politicians and stuff. But Isaiah, in chapter 5, he sings a song. And there's a lot to this. There are a lot of moving parts in this song. And, and I'd just like to walk it through a little bit basically so you, you understand all the moving parts here. So he says, I will sing for the one I love a song. And so Isaiah is the one singing. And it's as if the stage has been given to him. And so there's understood to be an audience. And he says, I will sing for the one I love. The one he loves is the Lord. And so this song is a song he's singing to the Lord, but he doesn't say to the Lord. He says, I'm going to sing to my dear friend or to, to my close friend. That's what the dear one means there. I, I will sing to the one I love a, a song. And so it's as if the Lord is kind of hanging out in the shadows on the side of the stage and the audience can't quite see him. I, Isaiah's purposefully masking the Lord's identity and so that he can draw the crowd in to this song that he's singing. And he does. I will sing to the one I love a song. The, word, the verb sing and the noun a song, both of those are basically the same word, just used in a different way in the sentence. But both of them indicate this is going to be a joyful song. This is going to be an upbeat song, just like the second through fourth graders just sang. Something that's exciting and the crowd is going to love. Now keep in mind, this is not karaoke. He's not covering somebody else's song. This is an original done by the prophet. And if you really want to go in depth, the Hebrew on this is just incredible. There are so many moving pieces in the Hebrew and words that are similar. It's really worth a Bible study at some point. But aside from that, I will sing for the one I love a song. He doesn't tell you what it's about yet. 
And now he draws the crowd in with what this song is going to be about. I'm going to sing about a vineyard. And maybe I lose you with that. Well, who today in the audience, my guess is not many of you have vineyards. Not many of you are growing grapes. And if you are, they're not the kind that you're going to turn into an alcoholic drink. But maybe we need to think again on that. Back in Isaiah's day, a lot of people would have had vineyards. It was just a common thing. And you have to keep in mind even more, if you have a vineyard, it means you're growing grapes. And if you have grapes, they're going to turn into something liquid. And that liquid is going to ferment. That juice is going to ferment. And so it is going to turn into something like wine. Something wonderful. And now if you put that together, as Isaiah is going to sing this song to the one he loves about a vineyard, you can imagine the audience just completely getting brought into this. And if Isaiah is one of these professional prophets, and he was very, very good, and he went around again in, in those political circles, he, he was able to get in and out of the temple areas and, and the political areas, maybe this crowd is starting to think, finally, this stuffy prophet is going to loosen up his shirt and tie and, and, and undo his robe a little bit, and he's going to come down to our level. Finally, he's going to sing a drinking song, and you can imagine the hooting and hollering and, and, and all of the people clinking their glasses and, and cheering the prophet who's finally going to get down to their level and, and be one of the guys and one of the people. So Isaiah continues in his song. I will sing a song for the one I love, uh, a song about a vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard. A fertile field. He pulled all the stones out of this area, and he's singing joyfully, and he built a wall, and he built a watchtower, and he built a wine press. He put everything into this whole area, and it's just building and building and building. And if we just pause here for a second, everything that Isaiah has sung so far, it shows this person has put in diligence. This person has put in effort. They've put in a ton of time. This is not something that happened overnight. The owner of this vineyard put in meticulous work, the best vines, the best watchtower for defense, the best wall to keep the, the critters out. The best of everything was put into this. And so the only thing out of the owner's power to complete is the result. But because he put the best in on everything, over all of this time, he has the right to expect the best result. But they weren't. They were the worst. And so right after this verse 2, as it's shifting, the whole nature of the song shifts from a major key to a minor, to a joyful song, to a somber one. Because it, as he says, it bore only bad fruit. And you can imagine at this point, nobody's clinging their glasses anymore as they're tuned in to where is this prophet going? Oh, and then verse 3 shifts. 
Isaiah kind of takes a sidestep from the main stage, and all of a sudden the person in the shadows in verse 3, that friend, the one he loves, starts singing for himself. This is the owner. And the owner addresses the audience and invites audience participation at this moment. And he says, what more could I have done for my vineyard? Dead silence. But the answer is obvious. Nothing. Well, why then, if it was given all the best, why did it yield only bad fruit? Dead silence. The answer again is obvious. It shouldn't have. And so the owner of the, of the vineyard announces the consequences. I'm going to tear the whole thing down. I'm going to tear the whole thing apart. The watchtower, the wall, the wine press, the choice vines are coming out, and he takes it so far as to say, even the rain is not going to pour on this property anymore, which tips the, should tip the audience off as to who this is. So the friend in the corner in the shadows kind of stays hidden yet, stays over there. Isaiah steps back to the main stage in verse 7, and he stands before the audience and, uh, again, and he says, Dear crowd, dear Jerusalem and dear Judah, do you under this is the grand finale. Do you understand what's going on here? He's talking about you. You are the ones the Lord is talking about. As in a parable, he drew them in, just like Jesus did in the gospel lesson, and he's applying it to them. Do you understand the Lord is your parent? The Lord has been your father this whole time, and he's been guiding you, shaping you, doing all of these things for you, and you are the ones with explicit content. You are the ones with lives who have gone astray and crossed the line. How much time he has invested and spent in you from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob all the way on down to Moses he shaped these people sinners as they were but he he planted them and shaped them to be good vines and, and now all the way on down through David they're the inheritors now in the 700s and what have they done they've yielded only bad fruit they never fermented Good work done by God. He had given them promise after promise. He'd done miracle after miracle. He put a hedge around them. He had given them his word. He had promised them so many things in the coming Messiah. And they took these things for granted, turned against them, and even worse, where they were supposed to be to the Lord's delight and the best people, they persecuted the prophets despised their pastors and teachers and staff ministers, defended their kids when their kids sinned and did something wrong, didn't listen to the word of God, turned against it, and finally even turned against the son of the owner and killed the son of God too. So Isaiah stands before them and says, this is what the Lord is going to do. 
He's going to take away any possibility you have to ferment. He's going to rip this entire vineyard from you. And he's going to give it to another. That's you today. You are the inheritor of the vineyard. Do you understand what you've been given? You've been given everything in Jesus Christ. Where in the Old Testament, they were only given promises for the most part. Most of those promises were unmet until Christ came. In Jesus Christ and with the word of God today, you've been given the fulfillment. Jesus Christ has been made explicit before your very eyes. He's been made clear with intent and with everything about him. There's no ambiguity with who he is and what he came to do for you. He was a choice vine that never went bad. And he's the one who fermented throughout his whole life perfectly in line with the will of God and then finally at just the right time gave his life on a cross for the explicit sins of the entire world of sinners, Jew and Gentile alike. Is it possible today We've become just like that audience in Isaiah's day. That our ears have become dull hearing this Sunday after Sunday or, or Sunday after every fourth Sunday or Sunday after every eighth Sunday. And our hearts have become callous. And as faith slips, so does our practice, so that our hearts have turned into something murderous and bloodshed where we hate our brothers and sisters and are unforgiving. And we're causing distress. Careful. Because it's still the Lord's vineyard. And what has been given by grace to us can be taken away. And when the Lord looks at you in your life, doesn't he have the right to expect the best from you? After all, hasn't he invested his time in you too, just like he did for Israel? I mean, this congregation has existed since 1862. But if we're going to press it a little bit more directly to the audience in front of me, in my own heart too, I bet most of us in this room have known the gospel since almost our earliest days. By baptism. How gracious the Lord has been to each and every one of us. And as you evaluate your sin, and as you evaluate the way that you've treasured or misprioritized the gospel, let's sing a different tune. Let's sing a song of repentance something the Jews had a hard time doing. And in line with that, as we turn to Jesus, let's sing a song of rejoicing. Because in your hearing, God has not taken away his son. He's proclaiming him and making him clear again before your very eyes and ears and hearts. And he's pouring out again everything that Jesus came to do. He's pouring out his grace and mercy to you. He's not withholding it. And where you turn away from sin to him, the only Savior. Don't you understand? 
But God will never let you be snatched out of his hand. He will never remove his grace from you. Never. Because in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. I said those words really fast. They're really supposed to ferment on your soul. In Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Let that move you in your heart, in your life, to be good fruit. A different crop. And notice how the whole tone of the sermon has changed. Where there was plenty of law earlier on, we're not forced into this. We're not manipulated into this. God is not obligating us to do some burdensome work. The whole tone has changed by the gospel. For Jesus' sake, be a good crop. Bear good fruit, fruit that honors the name of Jesus, fruit that needs no explicit parental warning and a big, bold sticker right on the cover of it because you're exactly the kind of harvest God intended in Jesus Christ. Exactly the kind of people he's wanted shaped by his word. A kind of people that brings joy to his eyes. The people that he delights in. For Jesus' sake. That's all he's ever wanted. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Heavenly Father, over the last few days, this world has gone more and more into turmoil. Wars in Ukraine and now war breaking out in the Middle East. Lord, please govern these things with only the might that you can. And, and if it is your will, bring peace to the Middle East and even peace to the Ukraine. More than that, Lord, bring an end to the bloodshed. Bring an end to the hostility and hatred by your gospel. Through the fruit that we bear and the light that we shine here, and with our offerings to the wells in support of world missions. Bring your gospel to these places, that the name of Jesus Christ may go out and bring peace 
not just to people's lives on earth, but eternal peace for all eternity. We pray this in your name as we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who promised that wherever two or three come together in his name, there he is with them to shepherd his flock until he comes again in glory. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Christ in the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me then he took the cup gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me and the peace of the Lord be with you always Thank you. 